Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blurb, where the back of a book meets a discerning look. Each week, best-selling author Sally Shields and publishing guru Dr. Kent listen to pitches from five authors vying for Book of the Week honors. Now live, on the air, with vigor and style, are Dr. Kent and Sally, the Bibliophiles. Hey there, Sally. How are you doing uh, this week? Fine. Nice to hear your voice. You too, um, and uh, it's an exciting week. Uh, this week we're uh, back to fiction again. It's your favorite uh, kind of uh, book. Oh, I lost you for a second. Um, uh, let, let's talk about fiction for for a good second. Um, what exactly uh, makes a great fiction book? Hello. You're on again. What what exactly makes a great fiction book? Do you think? Oh, <laughs> and I'm losing Sally here. Are you back on? I I hope so. There we go. So, what makes a great fiction blurb? Um, am I there? Okay. Um, well, you know, anything we have discovered that we can basically pare down our criteria to bling clarity, information, and delivery. And that pretty much works for nonfiction. But in terms of fiction, it's basically, I mean, come on, what everybody wants is a great hook, a great story. Uh, tell me what you think about it, because I think you've read a lot more fiction than I have. Yeah, well, I, I read a lot of fiction growing up. Um, uh, I actually don't read much uh, at all anymore, uh, but um, I, I generally, in, in the fiction, I, I like the... Uh, Sort of uh, airplane length reads, you know. I'd, I'd, you know, three, four hundred page book, and by the time you'd flown across the country, you you finished the thing. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of different kind of books in the in the fiction category these days, and and it's exciting to uh, see uh, the different kind of folks that that uh, that we get here on on blurb when we choose a single category. Indeed, I think it's a it's an awesome thing because um we often get so so much variety and uh really really interesting takes on and different types of ways that people tend to talk about their book. Sometimes they focus on the story, sometimes they focus on their expertise behind the story. And we're here on Blurb to try to help you even hone your marketing skills even farther. So, it's it's a it's it's really fun and it's not often easy with fiction to be talking about marketing because it's a whole different it's a whole different world when when you're talking about a fiction book and trying to you know uh, create a hook for the media and how you can um, you know what's in it for the reader and how you can help the audience it's a completely different sort of ball game so um, it, it's always interesting when we have a fiction show. Now let's listen to the first blurb on the show today. Of course, we're going to listen to five fiction blurbs today and and, and choose the best. And uh, in a couple weeks, uh, we're going to skip next week, but in a couple weeks, uh, we're going to announce the winner. Um, And actually, uh, before that, uh, people can check out our website at blurbradio.com and figure out uh, who won uh, this week's show. Uh, And and this week, we're going to speak to uh, the winners of last week's show. Uh, And we actually have two winners. Indeed, and you know, I because we had two winners, I've actually, um, I think I've arranged for one of them to come on in about literally like two minutes. We might even want to start start with, um, I believe it's Kim, and then we have Pamela, uh, Pamela Cope. Uh, so Kim Michelle Richardson, I believe, might even be on the line waiting for us. Do, would you like to start with one of our winners? I think we should. I think we should listen to one blurb and then okay. we'll listen to her. How's that? Sounds great. So let's listen to um, uh, a blurb from Jacqueline Moore. Uh, It's a fiction blurb, and then right after that, uh, we're going to speak live with Kim Michelle Richardson, uh, who won uh, uh, last week's Blurb Book of the Week. So here we go, Jacqueline Moore, fiction blurb. Blog Talk Radio. Serving justice, sometimes love resides above the law. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Moore, author of the new release, Serving Justice. Even though this is my debut novel, I am no stranger to the literary world with contributions to several anthologies, including 2008 releases, 
triumph of my soul, stories of hope, triumph, and inspiration, journeys of love, voices of the heart, and gumble for the soul. Here's our child. Where's the village? Serving justice. What happens when a prominent Chicago judge falls in love with her driver? Angela Jenkins decided as a child that she would become a lawyer. Fighting injustices perpetrated against those who could not or would not fight for themselves ran like passion through her veins. Growing up, Angela was taught that putting God first in her life, respecting the rights and choices of others, and working hard were the most important things a person should strive for. While in pursuit of her law degree, Angela meets Rhonda, Teresa, and Darlene, who are there reaching for the same goals. Over the next two decades, an unbreakable bond forms and friends become sisters. Angela finds the more successful she becomes, the more she begins to lose her connection with God and starts conforming more to the world than to the word of God. When love enters her heart, she must decide if having a relationship is more important than what others, including her friends, have to say. Angela is forced to look at what's important in her life and has to choose between allowing others to shape who she is or conforming to what God wants her to be. Serving justice is classified as Christian fiction, but there are lessons to be learned by everyone. You will laugh, cry, and rejoice as the characters learn to look at their lives with different eyes. Visit www.jacquelinedmore.com www.peaceinthestormpublishing.com to find out more. Serving Justice is available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com, Target.com, and PeaceOfTheStormPublishing.com. Feel free to send me your comments at Jackie Moore at VirtuousLiving.com. Thank you, and have a blessed day. Well, that was a great blurb. Um, she was very specific, for sure, about um, her niche, uh, and I always like that. Um, her blurb was obviously uh, Christian fiction, and uh, and then she also even mentioned uh, the the niche itself. Yeah, I really liked it too. I mean, she definitely caught my. She created curiosity with her blurb when she started off talking about, you know, the question. I love when people start with a question. What happens when a prominent judge falls in love with her driver? So right away, that's setting up a little, uh, you know, a love story and a, and a little um, <clears throat> mystery there somehow. And then she goes and starts to talk about her friendship with Rhonda, Teresa, and Darlene. And so it's obviously a story of friendship and love. And then, of course, she adds in the element of um, the more successful she becomes, the more she loses her connection with God. And I love the question, when, when love enters her heart, is having a relationship more important than what others have to say. So that kind of raises the question, well, why can't you have both? So I, I really liked a lot of the different um, themes that she was bringing up within within the blurb. And uh, she, she um, you know, she did a lot of things very well. Um, and um, I'm, I'm not sure that um, the kind of passion she really has for the subject came through too much. I, I think... Um, um there could have been a little more um of the of real emotions that came through in the blurb uh, i i don't know how to express that i mean it, she did a great job but um i think there could have been a little bit more maybe you just mean she could work on her delivery possibly cuz we we've uh, like we said we've distilled our criteria down to bling clarity information and delivery and she she did have a lot of bling i felt she had she was clear and she had good information but maybe what you mean she could have simply delivered it with a little bit more enthusiasm possibly i did find that um when she did mention the name of her publishing company i wasn't sure if it was um Face in the Storm Publishing, exactly. I know she mentioned that a couple times. I wasn't sure about that. Uh, and uh, Jacqueline D. Moore, uh, a lot of people might not have known that it was Moore and not Moore. I mean, that's something that she could have qualified, like exact, like spelt it out, because there's a lot of different ways to spell Moore. Uh, so that that's one little thing that, that Jacqueline could, could do um, to improve the blurb, just so that she makes sure that people can get to her. I think there's there's one thing, um, if folks are listening that want to submit their own blurb, I think one of the great things is always uh, if you submit these blurbs, uh, 
you know, if it's a kind of book where you think you should smile or you think it should be uh, an up message, actually smile while telling the blurb into, uh, you know, we use Cinch here uh, for people to record their blurbs. Um, you know, smile while you're doing it. Or um, if it's sad, you know, be sad. But uh, I, I think there's a, a way of delivering it where that, that emotion will definitely come through. And something else that I learned in, in media training is that if you stand up while you're giving an interview or recording a blurb, uh, this often helps a lot because it just naturally makes your voice sound more upbeat and enthusiastic and clear. So whenever I'm doing a radio interview of any kind, I usually am on my feet. So I know that sounds silly if you're imagining that, but um, it really does help. Well, it's definitely better uh, picturing you on your feet than on your head. <laughs> Indeed. Cool. So let's. <laughs> but now uh, let's listen to uh, last week's winner. Um, uh, I, I believe we have what you said. Uh, Kim Michelle Richardson's on the phone with us. Yes, right? I hope. I hope it's Kim Michelle. It could be Pamela. I'm not. I, I just cannot remember which one is coming at which time. But we'll find out in a moment. All right. <laughs> this, is, this is an exciting adventure. Who, who do we have with us on the line? Hello. I think you have Pam. Oh, Pamela. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad you got my email. Yes, and I'm actually standing up. Yay! <laughs> so we have last week's winner uh, uh, of uh, Blur Book of the Week, uh, Pamela Cope. And uh, it's an incredible uh, uh, blur. Why don't you tell us a, a, a little bit about uh, the book uh, that you talked about? Okay. Um, I wrote a memoir two years ago. It's um, called Jansen's Gift, and it was published in April of this year, and um, basically um, the book was um, just chronologically um, tracking my journey from losing my son 10 years ago and just the different, um, you know, phases of grief that I experienced after his loss and where I traveled to and the children that I've met, and basically just... um, the new life that was birthed from, you know, the loss and the grief. Well, as a mother, I was I was so touched by your story and what you did to turn around and create um to create the uh, organization that you're now doing to save to save children is just unbelievable. And uh can you talk a little bit about that? That kind of organically started growing when we took our first trip to Vietnam. And basically that trip was just to get out of the country and just experience, you know, just something that was foreign and out of the familiar. And so we spent our first Thanksgiving without Jansen in Asia. And while we were in Asia, we were traveling to orphanages and just, um, you know, encountering different children that were living on the streets and, it was just this knowing of that this should be part of Jansen's legacy to start a foundation that would be helping these children in need. Now, were so, you and your husband on the same page? Because I know sometimes, like, I don't know if it's a female-male thing, but I know sometimes, uh, you know, it's so silly to say, but, like, if my husband and I are driving and I'll see a hurt animal, I'll just say, I'll say, honey, please stop, I want to help that animal. And he'll just, like, kind of say, oh, don't be ridiculous. Um, but sometimes, like, when two people are both on the same page about something, and it seems like both you and your husband were really, really connected to the idea together. I think we were definitely both very connected because we were just, you know, like I said, very deep in our grief journey, and then we were seeing all of these kids in need. So it just seemed so clear that even though our child was gone, here were all of these children, you know, alive and in need, and, you know, we had to say we have some resources here to help these children. So it it just seemed like a no-brainer, like it made perfectly sense. You know, perfect sense that, you know, our, our, you know, what we valued moving forward should be investing in these kids that were in just what we felt like a crisis situation. It's fantastic and, because so so many times, uh, you know, a, a death in the family will, you know, break break a couple apart and make them go in separate directions. And it really just not only strengthened you, but you ended up helping, you know, 
just creating something global for the for the world and uh just really incredible. Can you tell tell people exactly what the name of your organization is and where people can find you? Our organization is called Touch A Life. Our website is www.touchalifekids.org. We're based in Dallas, Texas. Our programs are in Vietnam, Cambodia, and Ghana, West Africa. Dr. Kent, are you there? I am. Yeah, it's a, um, we were very impressed by the blurb. Uh, it was um, concise and, um, um, you know, um, we were uh, moved by the story itself, but you also delivered um, uh, delivered well to us uh, what the story was and who you were and how to find out more about the organization. Uh, what kind of um, uh, media training have you had, and, and what kind of experiences do you have uh, talking to the media? Um, I have had zero media training, so I just I feel that I can usually you know deliver my message just because I'm just so passionate about these kids that I'm working with. So I always hope that I come across that you know I do have this passion and it is real and. It is what motivates me, you know, to, like, keep pushing our foundation forward and keep promoting the book. And I love the feedback that I get from the book and the people and the readers. And they say, you know, they call the kids by names, you know, the stories. And just that was my whole mission of the book was just to tell the kids stories and to give them a voice and a platform and so I'm just really thrilled with the feedback that I'm getting from my reader. So it's exciting. And as a, you know, it's such a hard topic to, um, you know, talk about the loss uh, of a child, even even 10 years down the road, of course. Uh, how is it, you know, it, it, has it been healing to have this organization together with your husband uh, and with your family um, has it been healing to write about uh, the experience? I feel like this has been the second phase of our life, and it's been amazing because I feel like Touch of Life and the Touch of Life kids, they definitely are a legacy to Jansen and his life here on Earth. And so these children that we work with, are just their lives are just an extension of his life that was cut way too short. And it is. It's meaningful. It's powerful. Um, my husband and I know that we have purpose and that we are just on target on a path that I do feel is changing the world and and changing just our personal family and our goals, and it's exciting. Well, congratulations yeah. to you for, for winning Blurb Book of the Week. Um, we were very impressed by the story and the blurb itself. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for making the time to come talk to us today live, and we hope that um, you know that you get lots and lots and lots of recognition for, from from this show and from future shows. And uh, if there's anything that we can do to help on this end, just you know where to find us. Okay, thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> thank you so much, Pamela. Have a wonderful day. Okay, uh, bye. Pamela Cope, uh, the winner of last week's. Uh, Blurb Book of the Week. And, of course, uh, we've got four more live blurbs for you here, uh, and uh, we already listened to one. And uh, each week we uh, listen to fly, uh, five blurbs and uh, choose the, our favorites for Blurb Book of the Week. And uh, we post all of the winners up on blurbradio.com. Yes, and I noticed that we uh, we do have Kim Richardson with us in, in the chat room, so so maybe we should try to get through our blurb so we can eventually get her on the line as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we had double winners last week. It doesn't happen very often. Um, but uh, instead of, you know, Sally and I having a fist fight or something, we, we sometimes decide uh, that we should choose two winners instead of just one. Exactly. When we just can't decide and they're both so great, well, we go with the, with, with the double trouble. Very nice. All right, so let's listen to uh, our second blurb of the night. Uh, this is by London Kennedy, a fiction blurb. Here we go. Multiple Orgasms, the book, also known as Mo, 
by author London Kennedy. Mo is more than an erotic fiction. It's a movement. The reader is challenged to find themselves inside the characters and their precarious behaviors. Mo creates an open space in one's mind for questions that only you, the reader, may want to know the answers. Questions and thoughts about how you like to be touched physically, emotionally, and spiritually. With its descriptive style, Mo allows you to experience firsthand furious passion and the beauty of travel. So please, don't read the first three pages. You may never be the same once you're inside the movement. <laughs> I like the beep at the end. That was nice punctuation. Yeah, we uh, here we here at Blurb we love to uh, surprise our listeners with very different uh, uh, genres within within the. Uh, I mean, Christian from Christian fiction to erotic fiction. This is a, this is a big jump. <laughs> well, we just want to let everybody know that we don't often screen the blurbs before we play them because we like spontaneity as well. So um, <laughs> we we don't actually you know know what's coming before we hear the blurb uh sorry no pun intended um <laughs> but okay are, are we are we allowed to say those things on uh, national radio i don't know yeah i think so <laughs> now but i but i think you know his book his blurb was good it was you know i i feel like you know i was tuning into some sort of late night television and this was one of those ads with you know uh you know the the he had the low-pitched voiceover, you know, the, it, was, it was good. I mean, honestly, uh, it was a bit short. I don't know what was in the book. I'm not sure that I really wanted to know, but, I mean, in terms of, you know, in terms of content, this show's not as much about content as about the blurb, and he, he, he did, he definitely had the bling. Yeah, the bling, he did, and, you know, when we were talking earlier about the delivery, he certainly had that covered. He was He delivered it very well. And, uh, you know, the topic of the book was eye-catching, you know, ear-catching. It was, uh, <laughs> you know... It, uh, it created curiosity when he said, do not read the first three pages. Exactly. It will change your life. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the delivery a lot. I mean, it was it was almost, it was almost um, humorous uh, in some ways because it was, it was um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was very interesting. I thought it was interesting, too. So, uh, yeah, kudos to London. All right. Well, let's listen to one more blurb, and then let's speak live to last week's uh, second winner, Kim Michelle Richardson. Here we go. Um, let's listen to Marcella Glenn, another fiction blurb. Grave Street House. Heads bobbed and turned. Some people cried. They knew the horror awaiting him. A few drifted into their places of security while the homeless intruder wobbled into the house. They reacted with clear warning to stay out. He slowed down. Fear filled his eyes. Why would this son, husband, brother, or perhaps father allow the house to steal his fate? It disliked anyone that entered. He disappeared into the house. His footfalls echoed throughout. Cries for help blasted from within. The assistance he needed was from an ambulance or coroner. The house that stole souls claimed another unwilling victim. Something or someone evil lived in the bowels of that structure. Who will be next? My name is Marcella Glenn, and I majored in business. The title of my novel is Grave Street House. The theme is you can survive a difficult situation and rise successful stronger. My novel was born out of such a situation. I was sexually harassed, fired even. Why? I wouldn't play along. I wrote a poem, cried some, short story, cried some more, and realized... It was shaping up into chapters. I'd like other people to know that there's always a brighter tomorrow. First, you must believe in yourself and strive for a goal. And get a real job, the doubters will say. You must continue to believe in yourself, your goal. Also, I'd like my main character, Amanda, to find herself in numerous 
murderous encounters. As in my second novel um, that I'm editing. The reader will find themselves shocked, excited at one or more of the character's behaviors. The plot centers around a haunted house and the main character Amanda is dared to go into it. She tries to find all kinds of excuses why she can't. Also, she's dealing with being sexually harassed by her female boss. So she's trying to strike some resemblance of balance in her life. Thank you. Wow, that was an intriguing blurb, to say the least. Hmm. It was um, definitely spooky. I would agree with that. Uh, it was n- kind of, I mean, in my opinion, a little bit all over the place. Uh, I, I couldn't quite get a handle on, I think that what would have really helped is to think of, you know, we talk about a lot, you know, start with your elevator speech and then uh, kind of go from there. Tell us what the book is about. Um, and, and I felt like it unfolded nicely in some ways, but it confused me in others. There were a lot of different yeah. things going on. I agree. I mean, basically she started off with with a, a quote from the book or a little blurb from the book, and then <clears throat> she talked about the purpose, which was that, you know, you can survive a difficult situation. And then she talked about um, how she was personally sexually harassed and fired. And then it was about, then it was, she went back to talk about believing in yourself and your goals. And then she started to talk about her character, Amanda, in the haunted house and uh, how Amanda was sexually harassed by her female boss, and so I was getting a little confused. And did she the work? Bl- did she work in the haunted house? Was her boss in the haunted she house? She was dared to go into this haunted house by her boss. I'm not sure, but <laughs> it was kind of like I was at first. She was talking about her own personal self, and then she was talking about Amanda, her character, and it was definitely like for a minute there. Wait, is this fiction? Is this nonfiction? Is this a you know? bio is this not a bio it would definitely a little bit yeah i would say a little bit of a mishmash so she created she created interest i mean and also she had this spooky i mean the way she recorded the blurb had like a lot of hits underneath and there was this sort of weird cyclical piano music it was it was spooky (laughs) i like that cyclical piano music yeah it was definitely like one of those like old you know uh stereos uh those old record players and had a lot a lot of background noise and it was like a like a almost like a tape loop or something from an old horror movie exactly yeah and i i felt i liked the line where she said that who will be next you know i I like the uh i wish i knew more of what the book was about and what was just her life i mean i wish i knew if i picked up the book what kind of thing am i going to be getting because i really don't quite know yeah 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 exactly could have absolutely been a little bit more streamlined um, and also, she did not tell us at the end where where we could find the book. Um, she she did mention that the name of her book was Grave Street House, but I only remembered that because I ha- I was typing it out as she was talking. But um, I don't think I would have remembered the the name of the book had right, she. Yeah, I, I didn't. Good. Well, you know, I mean, it was a great blurb in some ways. I mean, she created, uh, she intrigued us. I mean, I thought it was. I'd like to know more information. I mean, I you know I was even happy that you typed out the title so I could figure out what the title was. Um, I think all all I could use was a little more organization, perhaps. Yeah, I agree with that, and uh, a little bit more information just so that we, as the listener, uh, can follow up with her and know where to find her. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk to uh, last week's winner uh, of Blur Book of the Week. I guess she's on the line with us, Kim Michelle Richardson. Uh, tell us a little bit about her, Sally. Well, Kim Michelle Richardson um, wrote a a book, a very, very touching book called The Unbreakable Child. And um, it it was um, set in the 1960s in a Roman Catholic orphanage in Kentucky and uh, tells of decades of chilling horrors and suffered, you know, she suffered brutal childhood abuses. And basically in 2004, um, there's a a very brave lawyer took on the case and, um, they they had a lawsuit and now um, 44 former orphans and, and are stepping forward and receiving monetary settlements for this. So uh, it, it was really um, a shocking. It was decades of institutional abuse and 
and uh, basically it bookends this tragedy that that was happening on the other side of the world in Europe as well. So anyway, I'd like I'd like to hear her talk about it more than myself because I'm just perfect. Yeah, and, and the thing the thing that I was intrigued by is that you know we're so used to actually you know people all the time will say oh. I'm the only one who's ever suffered abuse. You know, we hear that all the time. You know, I'm the. This is the only story that's ever been told about this and that. And she didn't. She didn't go about it that way with her blurb. She really intrigued us with the story itself. Um, you know, what was different about this? What was um, fascinating? What was horrifying? You know. Yeah, we want to know what your story is. Why are you the expert to tell us about this story? What makes what makes us want to learn about what you're writing about? Why are you the person to tell it to us? And she did a very good job of that because she lived it. Great. So here we go. So here's Kim Michelle Richardson, um, and I believe we've got her on the line. Are you there? Yes. Good afternoon, Dr. Kent and Sally. Thank you for having me. Thank and you. I've got a little bit of your EBGBs from last week, Dr. Kent, so you might have to excuse me here. <laughs> you've, got, you've got my EBGBs? Yeah, you were kind of feeling a little rough last week. Remember? Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. I'm feeling a little bit better. I feel like did I did I talk about uh, being down with the swine flu or something? Yes, <laughs> yes, I believe you did. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a little of it now, huh? Uh, a little. Yeah, it's it's going around. I teach at the university, and my students are one by one, you know, mysteriously disappearing. It's a it's a huge. Uh, it's a huge horror story uh, in of itself. No, most of them are just getting getting under the weather. Yeah. So yeah, same but, here. But welcome to the show. Um, you, you you have such a a, a great um, you had such a great blurb. Uh, we were happy to choose you as the co-winner of this week. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about your book. Well, the Unbreakable Child uh, was released in April of 2009, and it is the first book in the U.S. to confront institutionalized abuse suffered by thousands of orphans at the hands of Catholic nuns and a priest over these last decades. It also documents the first court-awarded justice from an order of nuns for myself, my sisters, and 42 other former orphans of the St. Thomas St. Vincent Orphan Asylum in Anchorage, Kentucky. And what an, what an incredible... Uh you know story i you know tell us you know how how did you go about trying to get some of this onto paper and of course um this is a fiction book um how much of your own story went into it and 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 uh you know what was the process like thank you it's a it's a memoir um or true crime uh i think the publisher bills it as both um in um 2004, when I joined in the lawsuit uh, to support my sister, um, I started writing about it and keeping a journal. And at the end of uh, when I was done with it, it was nothing more than um, a childish outline, which I gifted to the attorney that ha had helped us in the lawsuit. And when I gave it to him, he got very excited and uh, so he gave and then I uh, started working on it as a real draft for a book. And then it took me about a year to get it to an agent and then another year to publication, uh, which was not easy. The, the publishing world, um, they wasn't, you know, they were not too sure of how to handle this book. Yeah, and it's, it's a scary, it's a very it's a difficult scary thing. thing. We had so many um, what they call misery memoirs, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they call them. And, and uh, but uh, it just uh, was very difficult um, to get past all that and to show them what set this book apart was that. So history, it was kind of a history lesson. So history would never repeat itself. Because during the 1960s, um, you know, the orphan asylum, as well as many around the country, abandoned true Christian values and subjected their children to unspeakable horrors. And it was a very uh, difficult lawsuit, which is intertwined within the book, as well as growing up in the 60s in rural Anchorage, Kentucky, 
And and as a as an orphan, uh, you know, tell us tell us um, just a little bit from the book or from your life. Um, what what you know? How did you get through it? How did uh, all of the children get through it? Well, if you, I went into the orphanage as a baby, and um, when you begin your life that way, abuse is. A normal it becomes a normal thing, I believe, and um you could not step stand up and voice your opinion to the nuns. It was unthinkable and unspeakable. You did not speak at all. There was a lot of silence and a lot of silence that continued on for me many decades after I left the orphanage. Um, I will say this um I'm the wife of a police commander and uh Although my book does reference clergy abuse, uh, there is no doubt the opportunity for abuses exist in any child care setting, and I don't think that pedophilia and child abuse is limited to any one group and not really a religious issue as much as it is a human issue. But, again, I did not pick my setting, and I guess the setting is what makes it so unique. And were there, were there good parts to um, uh, living in the orphanage with the other children? No, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it's not. It's I would, not uh, that, it's, it's I would not be that pretty. Disney, it's not that Disney portrayal no. of Annie and all the other kids. Right, and and I had that was a part of my problem. I would think I would have the book where it needed to be, but it was so brutal still because I couldn't find that Disneyland. It would seem like everything just kind of ended grim, and you know I was having a hard time. You know. Uh, interviewing my siblings or other orphans, and it just seemed like no one had, you know, that Disneyland. Um, so what I was able to do was pull in my my former family and what was revolving around me at the time, including the, the lawsuit, and bring in a nice, well, as nice as possible, a healthy emotional balance there for the readers so as I, I could not keep them on this roller coaster ride continually well that's an interesting thing um you know a lot of uh writers uh might not picture the reader as much and uh clearly you you in that process had to picture the reader and think of you know what they could handle and what you know how you could get your message across exactly because it it, it is a brutal um i had to think you know how much to give to the reader without making them cringe or just to inform the reader of this history without, um, I guess, harming the reader and making them not be able to go forward. But it is it is still a brutal memoir, much like A Child Called It, of course with different settings, but it does have its, you know, comedy, little pieces of comedy and it offers hope, justice, and forgiveness to the reader as well. Um, additionally, um, I work with child advocate groups, and when I sold my book, I gave the cells to these, the complete cells to the advocate groups, and I continue uh, to work with these groups. And any monies coming from the Unbreakable Child goes to the advocate groups. And where can we find out? Where can we find out more about um, both that um, and about the book? Um, I have a website, and I've listed my resources and what I do, and it's simply uh, www.theunbreakablechild.com. And there's also and there you'll see a list of resources and things. I'm sorry. There's resources and things there. Yes, there's resources and. Um, a list of advocate groups and so forth, and it, it keeps I keep it up to date with what I'm doing and so forth. And then I have a blog that spins off of that as well. Um, and and, and some people of, are pretty amazed, but I get, I feel literally 100 emails a week from victims all over the world. Now, they don't have to be a former orphan, though some are. They could just be in a domestic violence situation. Uh, I've even had emails from nuns and priests who have been violated. Um, wow. 
I have a strong endorsement uh, from a canon lawyer priest, a Father Thomas Dull, who just read The Unbreakable Child and gave me a huge endorsement. Um, but the book, I think, it you don't have to really look too far to see something for everyone. It, you know, there's a little bit of life in there playing along for everyone, even though it is an orphanage setting, a little bit of childhood going on in there, the way the me, the child, is uh, presented. Well, it's... it's it's a fascinating book, um, and uh, you did a beautiful job of creating the blurb and presenting it. That's um, why we've given Kim Michelle Richardson uh, the Blurb Book of the Week Award, and it's so, such a pleasure to talk to you uh, live on the air. Thank you, most kindly. And uh, we wish you all the best, and, and people can again go to theunbreakablechild.com uh, to find out more about the book and all the stuff that uh, uh, Kim is doing for the world. And two, it, the book is available on Amazon or at Barnes and Noble, Borders, um, and at your local library. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Have a good thank great you, day. Thank you, Kim Michelle. Speak to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Well, and let's uh, let's listen to another blurb. Uh, what do you think uh, we're looking for in the fiction category, Sally? Uh, oh. Are we looking for? Uh, are you looking for the next book that you're going to uh, read at night uh, by, by candlelight? Uh, I know you love fiction. <laughs> you're never going to stop teasing me about that. Well, I think we're looking for clarity. I think we're looking for, hi, sweetie. Oh, I'm having a mommy moment. A mommy uh, moment. Husband, nice. My husband was supposed to keep him downstairs, but hello. Well, how about um, during during this mommy moment, why don't we listen to uh, our next blurb by uh, Michael D'Ambrosio. Uh, it's a fiction blurb. Here we go, and then we'll let Sally have her mommy moment. Here we go. Blog Talk Radio. The universe is a dangerous place for mankind. Many alien races with infinite powers fight for supremacy throughout the vast expanse. Telepathy is one of the most formidable powers that makes the human alliance vulnerable to their alien enemies. The Eye of Icarus is a special crystal in the hands of King Tenemen, the leader of the alien alliance. This crystal when read by the five priestesses who are held captive by the king, shows future events which slant the war in favor of the alien forces. Space Frontiers, beginning with the Eye of Icarus, is the saga of Will Saris, a young space fleet officer who, with the ability to cloak his thoughts, takes on the enemies of the fleet with a stolen battle cruiser and a crew of refugees. Will is gifted with other interesting traits, including the ability to shapeshift into a wolverine, which he inherited from his mother's nearly extinct race. Among Will's diverse crew is a young woman, Shanna, who falls in love with Will and proves to be much more than he expected. From priestess and seer to a warrior of the galaxies, she teams up with Will to turn the war with the alien alliance upside down. Will repeatedly finds ways to outfox the alien leader, but each time the risk and the responsibility grows. As his string of successes increases, so does the number of attempts on his life and the lives of his friends. Will realizes that if he can recover the Eye of Icarus, he could turn the tide of the war in their favor. His commander, Maya, is in an agreement with Will's tactics and prefers to handle things by the books. Unfortunately, Will is young and ambitious. His motivation is revenge against the aliens for killing his father and stepmother in an apparent ambush. The rivalry that develops between Will and the barbaric King Tenement leads to several daring events, including duels with swords between the two. Each is determined to defeat the other, leading to risky decision-making on both their parts. Will must mature quickly and develop discipline if he expects to survive, as each situation becomes more perilous. His unusual strategies keep King Tenement and the alien forces off balance while he executes his plans to recover and control the Eye of Icarus. Once the Eye is recovered, however, Will finds that their troubles are just beginning. Gigantic ships are being constructed in another sector of the universe for King Tenement. If the alien king receives these ships, he will be unstoppable. Will must take his crew on a mission to disrupt the construction of the Leviathan-class megaships before it's too late. Casualties mount in this daring assault as Will feels the responsibility for those under his command. He realizes that the game is over and he is engaged in a real threat, not only to them, but to the survival of the entire human alliance. Holy cow, what a uh, complicated uh, story in some ways. Um, he walked us through it um, and uh, definitely intrigued me by it, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, there was a lot there. There was, like, characters and plots and subplots and the eye Vicarus. I wasn't sure what that was all about. Um, I, I missed the first part of the blurb because I was distracted, but um, shape-shifting and all sorts of stuff. It was yeah, I think one thing it could have used was a little more of what's the book, who's the author, where do we find it, that kind of stuff, you know. Um, that definitely had content, definitely had some some uh, excitement to it. Uh, you know, I was very intrigued by the Eye of Icarus and the and all of the um, uh, the ideas that he, he brought forth and the different uh, things. And and if you're into that kind of fiction, you know, fantasy fiction, uh, this is something that will really draw your ear, of course. Absolutely, it, it's definitely a very niche category, but it, it sounded like. Um, that the people who who are into that type of, of uh, fiction are really going to enjoy it. That's one thing I like about it. I mean, we've had some really different kinds of fiction on here, uh, uh, and very niched. And I think it, it's a good sign. You know, the more the more niched you can be uh, when you're writing a book, when you're telling a blurb, when you're uh, trying to hit your audience. The more niched you are, the more you're going to actually get your audience. Exactly, and we always talk about how you know people people sometimes try to generalize a, a lot. And when I've, I read a quote once, I can't remember exactly where it came from, but it was something like you know try to please everyone and you please no one. So something that's this niched has a real uh, chance of being very very successful. Yeah, you could almost say at the beginning of one of these blurbs, you know, for all those you know fantasy fiction fans out there, you know, here's a great book for you. You know, exactly. almost almost invite them in specifically, you know. Um, but, but uh, you know, on the whole, quite a, quite a good blurb. You know, you interested us uh, for sure. Indeed. So let's listen to uh, our last blurb of the day. We listened to five, of course, and here's Rick Robinson with his fiction blurb. Here we go. Hi, this is Rick Robinson, the author of the smash political thriller Sniper Bid and its prequel, The Maximum Contribution. In this eventual three-book series, the traditional ideals taught in America's classrooms meet the dark underbelly of our nation's capital. I write with the unique voice of a political insider, having 30 years in the game, including a stint on Capitol Hill and a personal campaign for the United States Congress. If you like politics, you'll love the maximum contribution and sniper bid. Read them, and you'll understand why each has won multiple writing awards. And after you read The Maximum Contribution and Sniper Bid, you'll be drooling for the release of Manifest Destiny, which is due out in the fall. Oh, it's over already. Darn, oh, no. I, I It was great. I mean, I wish um, I wish he would have used his full three minutes uh, because, you know, the funny thing is he did exactly what I said. You know, I, I, I suggested, hey, why don't you come out and, Come out of the gate and uh, say what genre your book is in. Say exactly who your audience is. He did that. Yes, he did. It was almost like a, a perfect, ele- almost like a, an elevator speech, and we haven't even talked about that today. Yeah, and, it, and and we, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I will definitely consider this uh, for the uh, blurb book of the week because you know it uh, it was a fantastic blurb, um, and he could definitely elicit a response from someone. Uh, within these uh, few, you know, few seconds, uh, uh, he had three minutes. Though he could have really given, he could almost have gone into the characters a little more, uh, almost uh, said a little more of the blurb from the back of the book, kind of thing. Well, exactly. I mean, he intrigued us so much. I mean, here's somebody who uh, was 30 years inside the political game. He, he ran a personal campaign for Congress. Um, he, he talked about the dark underbelly of our nation's capital, a three-book series. You know, that's something that always intrigues people, you know, that it's not just a one-off, that it's part of a series, so you know that there's more. Um, I found it interesting that he, that he uh, you know, you, he read the title of his book a couple times over, which was not easy to remember, something like The Maximum Contribution and Sniper Bid. And it's like, well, what does that mean? You know, maybe he could have explained a little bit more about what exactly – the title meant. Uh, do you have any idea what what the title means? No, I have a terrible memory. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but what it means. The maximum contribution and sniper bid. Um, I, I mean, I, I all I know is it's a political thriller. Um, and uh, I mean, from there, I pretty much would probably Google it. I would probably say, okay, I, I, I want to find out about Rick Robinson 
fiction. Uh, exactly. And I, you know, so in terms of did he clearly tell us um, what it's about? Uh, well, I'm not so sure. Um, uh, however, he did intrigue us. Yes, it was very intriguing. Absolutely, it was just a little bit short in terms of uh, in terms of what we were looking for here on the show. But he definitely did a wonderful job um, creating curiosity, and he had bling for sure. He absolutely had the bling. It was clear. He delivered it well, and he had great information. So just I think if he lengthened it up, he could be a real contender. Right. And, and uh, actually, uh, in just a little bit of Googling, uh, it's clear that uh, those are two books. Sniper Bid is one book, and The Maximum Contribution is another. Ah, and so I think that that's why he was talking about uh, the Manifest Destiny was the third book in the series. Gotcha. That now makes sense. Gotcha. Well, and, uh, um, again, his his is an exemplary uh, blurb to listen to for people. Uh, if you're looking how to, how do you get the clarity? How do you get the bling? How do you um, deliver it beautifully? How do you really niche your genre right up front? Um, we wish we would have had some more content. Yeah, a little more content would have been would have been great. I mean, he he's somebody that we want to hear from. He's he's uh, he's inside the game, and every that you know who who doesn't want to hear about a politician that's that's talking about the dark, seedy underbelly of our nation's capital? Give us a scoop. Tell us more. So Sally has survived another fiction blurb show. <laughs> You're going to turn me into a fan one of these days, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I think you're 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 definitely a fan of uh, uh, the business books now, uh, which is uh, you know that's a small victory. Oh, absolutely! That t- totally surprised me. Love the business books. Love and, the business books for and sure. And it's fun. Every week we get to explore some different things. Next week, um, I guess uh, uh, we are going to be having a show. Um, it's uh, I'm not going to be there, but Sally will hopefully be there with the uh, co-host talking about. Um, uh, a yet undetermined kind of books, but every week uh, we choose a specific genre and uh, and listen to five blurbs. Yeah, well, great show, Dr. Kent. Um, I hope you have a wonderful trip and um, another fun week of blurbs. Should, should we play that wonderful outro music that so often gets cut off because we go over? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's Sally's favorite moment in the show is when it starts <laughs> to end. And uh, it's been great to talk with her here today and we've had five brand new blurbs uh, for everybody to check out go to blurbradio.com to find out more about us and to check out who won blurb book of the week who do you think won Sally? oh that's something that we're going to have to discuss behind the closed curtains oh man I thought we could have our fist fight here on the air (laughs) listeners will just have to wait we have to create curiosity (laughs) alright have a great week Sally (laughs) you too take care bye